Welcome back to this episode of the Upper Room Family Podcast. This is David. I want to thank you all for continuing to listen as we continue to build this Upper Room podcast and continue to grow our audience. So thank you for liking and sharing all of those who have reached out and been encouraged by an episode or have given us some topics to continue you know, to kind of just diversify the content or make it more relevant to what you're looking for. So thank you for that. Uh, I wanted to jump right into today's topic um, in part because I didn't get to finish my sermon um, the way I would have liked to at Hope Community Church this past weekend. So I had the opportunity to uh, preach this weekend and uh, or actually today as I'm recording this uh, in the evening. But uh, on, on Exodus. We're going through Exodus. We're going through um, chapters 7 through 10. And uh, I was preaching today and I knew this would happen. I feel like this happens uh, quite often is um, just there's not enough time. I feel like I could have just preached on the plagues. Uh, that's the the section that we're on here uh, in Exodus, the plagues of Egypt. And uh, we'll definitely get into uh, some takeaways from that, but just really got into it. Uh, and I didn't, uh, check my time. And when I looked up, I had about five minutes and I don't even think I made it to the, uh, the, the fifth plague. I think I only made it through the first four <laughs> and I was supposed to cover nine of them. So, uh, just wanted to, uh, jump on here real quick. I thought it would be a really good way to just repurpose some content. Not all of you go to Hope Community Church. Uh, I don't even know if all of the congregants uh, and my Hope family know about this podcast or even listen to podcasts. But um, anyway, we're going to jump right into it. Um, I thought what was where I started today was really interesting. And um, I kind of thought like I would just run right through them because they're fairly repetitive. If you recall, uh, any of you that went to uh, Sunday school or maybe to vacation Bible school, you're taught... Uh, quite often about Moses and Egypt and the Israelites uh, freeing, being freed by God from the hand, um, from the hand of Pharaoh and crossing the Red Sea and then the Red Sea drowning, you know, all of the Egyptians who are in pursuit. And so I thought, oh, this is probably a pretty easy text. Uh, yeah, we can do three chapters because the there's a lot of repetition. But honestly, the more I just read it, and I didn't even have to go into a lot of commentaries. I just started reading it. And as you read the scriptures, just asking, asking God to reveal his word to you. It's as simple as that. We have the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can read the scriptures as these ancient texts that have been preserved and handed down by God himself to us. Um, and just let the Holy Spirit guide you in, in your thoughts. And so I just started doing that and I found out very quickly in my preparation for the sermon that there is a lot to cover and unpack here, uh, in this dynamic between God and Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron, Aaron being the spokesperson for Moses. Uh, there's a lot of symbology. Uh, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, symbolic, um, Symbolism. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, symbolism in the the passages here that just really tie so nicely with the Old Testament and New Testament together. Um, so I just thought I would jump on here. Um, if you want to, I'm going to put the link to the live stream for Hope Community Church for the first four. 
And I thought I'd wrap up here. Who knows? Maybe next week I'll, I'll preach uh, again and maybe finish the sermon or we'll pick it up another time. But if you want to hear uh, what I had to say about the first four, uh, go ahead, look at the show notes. Uh, the link will be there uh, for Hope Community Church's YouTube page uh, where you'll get to see uh, me behind the pulpit there and uh, talking about the first few plagues. So I'll cover some broad topics here, and then we'll get into the last uh, last few plagues. So real quickly, each one of these plagues is a direct correlation to an Egyptian god. And I don't have time to unpack all of those or to even pronounce <laughs> uh, all of those here. Uh, but go ahead and do some of your research here. So each one of these plagues is basically an assault against Pharaoh's gods or the gods of the Egyptians and um, addresses each one of them specifically, which I thought was really, really neat how God has just uh, just left no excuse. He is the Almighty. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Moses. He is going to um, be glorified and he will not allow there to be um, any false gods before him. So Really, really cool there. Secondly, right, I think there's this idea of the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And we'll see that uh, continue on here in the uh, last several uh, plagues where it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart uh, or that the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Uh, we'll unpack that a little bit more today as well. I think we also see um, the reason that they're being um pulled out of, e out of Egypt. For me, this was something that I don't know that I fully grasped or understood. I think as a kid, we see this tyranny, this tyrant in Pharaoh, um, you know, holding the Israelite people in bondage, in slavery. And, uh, you know, we hear the Lord say to Moses to, you know, command Moses to go talk to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But as you read the text, it's way more than just let my people go right? It's way more than just this arbitrary freedom. It's let my people go that they may serve me. Uh, and so we see this here where, where freedom is not necessarily just uh, freedom to make any kind of decision. Uh, Jordan Peterson had mentioned uh, in some of his commentary um, about freedom that he would do this experiment in his class where he would uh, ask a student if anybody wanted to play a game. And the students uh, would say, yeah, sure. And so he'd pick a student and then he would tell the student and say, okay, what do we do? And the student just freeze, right? Because they, they're expecting him to have the game or uh, they, they have freedom to say or choose any game that they so desire. And yet they struggle at times, all the time. There's this, this hesitancy because they don't know what to do because there's no guidance. There was no, let's play a, a ball sport game. Let's play a board game. Let's play a mind, uh, you know, riddle kind of game. There's, there was no context. So they had ultimate freedom and yet they, they struggled to even select a game. So, you know, what kind of freedom are we really looking for? Well, freedom here is, is not just arbitrary, but it's really to, um, you know, give our lives over to the hand and uh, or to the service of the highest, right? And, and highest with a capital H to, to God. And so, you know, the Lord is telling Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron to let his people go that they may serve 
me. Uh, sometimes it'll read that they may serve me in the wilderness, right? And we'll see here where Pharaoh, um, you know, sort of allowed uh, the Israelite people to go or said he would allow them to go and make sacrifices, you know, no more than a three days journey away out of the land of Egypt. Um, so we're going to pick up here in uh, those are a couple of big themes. We'll pick it apart a little bit more. Uh, again, go ahead, listen to my um, my sermon on the first four plagues, uh, but we're going to pick it up here in Exodus chapter 9, uh, the fifth plague with livestock. I'm going to read some of the text here, and, and we'll kind of uh, just go through it together. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord the God of the Hebrews, let my people go. And here we see this. Why? Why let my people go? That they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field. I think that in the field is important too, because later we'll see uh, with the hail that there was still livestock. And so I don't know if, uh, if this livestock plague only affected those in the field, which is why maybe the Egyptians still had livestock. I don't know if there was a significant amount of time between these uh, plagues where they were able to, you know, acquire <laughs> other livestock. I'm sure there was supply chains and supply lines into this land of Egypt. Uh, and so maybe they were not quite in Egypt yet. And it was just another day's journey after the plague. And suddenly they had more livestock to start repair, replenishing uh, the livestock that, that are taken during this plague. I don't know, speculation, um, just kind of thinking through this. Uh, but we see here that the plague will be upon the livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. We see this play out in the earlier uh, plagues where uh, we don't really know if the Israelites were affected by uh, the gnats and the fleas um, or... Um, you know, the, the blood turning to, to, or the water turning to blood. Um, we don't really know, you know, uh, the frogs, right. Uh, if they were, <clears throat> the Israelites also suffered alongside there, but we certainly see that, uh, the Lord begins to really draw this distinction between his people and the Egyptians and begins to, to, to really just outline that these plagues will be upon your people, Pharaoh, my people will be spared. Uh, verse five of chapter nine, and the Lord set a time saying tomorrow, the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day, the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent and behold, not one of the uh, livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people go. Just re referencing my notes here, um, you know, we see the provision for his people. Um, this is also the question of why are the Egyptians suffering? And I briefly covered this uh, earlier today in the service, but it seems almost sometimes unfair, right? Why do people suffer is a big question that a lot of Christians, a lot of people, no matter your faith, um, you know, or your uh, religion, uh, 
have a big question about why is there suffering? Why does suffering exist? Or why does it seem that the innocent people suffer? Um, you know, we see obviously Pharaoh called out here. It seems like there's this uh, battle between the Lord and Pharaoh. And we know that's not really true because at any point <laughs> the Lord could have just taken out Pharaoh. And he actually says that um, when we get to, um, I think it's the boils or or maybe even the hail that that he could have. Um, yeah, it's, it's the hail here. And later in chapter nine, that um, verse 15, 915, it says, for by now, uh, I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. <laughs> so I'm still allowing you to exist, Pharaoh. But sometimes we wonder like, OK, well, why, why did he have to go after all the people of, of Egypt? Why not just Pharaoh or Pharaoh's court? Don't forget. If you uh, haven't been studying, you know, this book with us, go back and read some of the earlier chapters. The people of the Egyptian, the Egyptian people were complicit and participated in the attempted just slaughter of all of the Israelite babies, right? They were commanded to throw the babies, the male babies especially, into the Nile and drown them. Uh, straight from this was a command to the to the midwives <laughs> that they uh, that they take them. They also were commanded to give them hard labor, right? And uh, you know, give them bricks, tell them to make bricks, but don't give them the straw that they need to make the bricks, right? And tell them to supply their own straw. So we see that they they weren't innocent people. They they were complicit in this um, oppression of the Israelite people. Um. Here we go. Um, so it's not necessarily collective guilt, but this entire people group have all sinned together, right? Uh, and we see that, you know, God, you know, in, in other parts of, of Scripture, we know that God will withhold judgment for the sake of just a few. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah comes to mind, right? Uh, just, just for a few, I'll spare the city. I'll spare this evil uh, that exists here. Uh, but we see here that... Um, you know, all of these people have sinned. All of the Egyptians, um, you know, have have so far participated in these earlier events. Now we'll see the the heart of the people start to change as these um, um, plagues continue. Right? They they kind of start to say, "Okay, enough's enough." Right? Uh, earlier plagues we've seen where the magicians have come and told Pharaoh, "We can't match this. Right? We can't continue to do this. We." Uh, are telling you this is from the Lord. This is this is the Lord, and uh, Pharaoh, you know, hardened his heart and would not hear them. Uh, we get a surprise plague, and again, you know, some of the plagues we see that uh, you know uh, Moses was commanded to go meet Pharaoh and have this conversation. Uh, other plagues seem to just come, and uh, you know, I kind of mentioned without warning, although you've had several plagues here uh, before. So, you know, you still haven't let the people go. So it really shouldn't be a surprise to see another uh, plague come upon you and your people. Uh, but we continue on in chapter nine with the boils. Um, I think the most famous boils <laughs> affliction is uh, in the book of Job, which we have also been studying here on the Upper Room uh, podcast. So, if you just think of Job sitting there scraping his boils, uh, just think about that as you read uh, on in chapter 9. It says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air. Um, 
in the sight of Pharaoh. So, so maybe Pharaoh was here or, or was aware, but there was no, uh, Hey, uh, you get another chance. Let my people go kind of conversation. Uh, it was just, Hey, be in the sight of Pharaoh and, and, and do this. Um, so surprise in, in that way, it shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and, uh, become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh and Moses threw it in the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. We see the magicians here. They, they come back to the text, uh, but they can't even stand before Moses. The boils have plagued them. They're not immune to that. Uh, we know that it, uh, the plague here says that it would be upon his people. Uh, it doesn't uh, seem to affect the Israelite people. Uh, again, we see this hardening of Pharaoh's heart that he does not relent. And we'll cover that hardening uh, here towards the end of the podcast. I want to make sure you have a good understanding of what it means um, to harden, or, or maybe we'll we'll talk about it. Um, maybe we'll just talk about it here. So you know, the hardening of the heart is a is a hard uh, theological um, kind of debate, I guess, in some ways. But I think the I think what I've I've what I've discovered at this point is, you know, this isn't the Lord uh, removing free will from Pharaoh. Uh, long before these plagues started, the Pharaoh had made up his will, and the text could also be translated that he he strengthened um, his heart or his his yeah the, that the Lord strengthened his heart or meaning he gave him the resolve to follow through on the decision of his free will that he had already set upon himself. And uh, if we take a look here in the Hebrew, uh, it actually means to strengthen uh, more rightly. So this is the Hebrew Kazakh. Uh, I think I pronounced that correctly. Um, let me flip over to uh, my my footnote here. Kazakh uh, is a. Um, it really means to fasten upon or to seize, to strengthen. Um, you know, to be courageous, to overpower, uh, in a sense, uh, to be over, um, you know, to just strengthen your resolve. Uh, think of, you know, your own heart or your own, um, uh, you know, your own will, right? Like, uh, um, athleticism comes to mind, right? I've resolved to be the best cross country runner that I can be, right? That's my will. That's what I'm going to do. And you get into these moments, these tough training sessions, and you feel this, this hardening or this, this affirmation of sorts of, no, 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 I'm suffering now in my training because I will be the best runner. And I know that this is going to get me there, right? That's, that's the kind of idea of strengthening. It doesn't mean that you have lost your ability to have that will, but, but the Lord has strengthened Pharaoh's heart, uh, towards what his ultimate Pharaoh's ultimate decision had already been his, his free will do some research on that. Uh, there's many uh, great minds that have, uh, discussed this ad nauseum and, and go into great detail. Um, there, there are those who, who say that, no, the Lord does harden, um, individual hearts. And, and there's, there's some, some weight to that. Uh, we should also consider, 
um, some options there where it does say that the Lord gave them over to the depravity of their mind in the New Testament. But again, that decision had already been made and, and the, you know, the Lord just gave them over to their sins, right? Gave them over to that depravity, let them, let them go into that because they had already made, had many, many, many chances to change their heart. Uh, and they, they continued to choose that their, their will was going to be, um, you know, against the Lord. The boils here, right? Um, just terrible, terrible pain. It's all over not only man, but also all of their animals, right? So we see that. We see that it's uh, over beasts. So again, um, they must have had some livestock that um, maybe that in the field is, is really present, right? It's all the livestock around the city, around Egypt, but those who were, you know, in the in the barns, you know, maybe weren't affected. Either way, uh, they've there's been considerable loss to, to um to Egypt. The seventh plague is this plague of hail. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, and the title of my sermon today, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on yourself, on you yourself, and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. Okay, like diseases, right? Like think the Black Plague, right? And just wiped you off the face of the earth. But he's not. He's not done that. Um, He says, but for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. This is powerful to me. I, you know, I think so often in my own Christian walk, even early on, I, I thought, I don't know what I thought exactly, but I, I don't think I grasped the, the whole point of God calling glory unto himself, right? That, that he would be glorified, right? It says right here that my name be proclaimed. Um, you know, we, 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 we exist and we become Christians and we uh, accept that free gift of salvation, not just to save us, but to demonstrate God's power. God's authority and to bring him glory, not ourselves. I hope you grasp that. I really do. Um, It says here in verse 17, the Pharaoh, right? You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I'll cause a very heavy hail to fall, such as never been in Egypt the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home. This is the first time we see man uh, be, you know, at risk of dying. And we'll see here that that many, many were that every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh. So we see Pharaoh's people beginning to to have a heart change, right? <laughs> These people are beginning to fear uh, the word of the Lord, that, um, which is great, right? It's this, this uh, they've been brought to the bottom of the bottom, and they are beginning to change their hearts. The people of, of Pharaoh, the servants of his court, are beginning to say, There's a, there is a supreme God. We are going to fear the Lord. And um, 
they hurried their slaves and their livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. I don't know about you, but I don't know how you could continue to not see the power uh, that the Lord has and his, uh, after all of these other plagues and still have the resolve to say, it's not going to happen. Everything else that's been said up until now, six other plagues have happened and uh, been miserable to go through. And yet there are still those, including Pharaoh, that did not hearken unto the word of the Lord and uh, left his slaves and livestock in the field. Uh, Verse 17, I want to just draw attention again. You are still exalting yourself. Pharaoh is called out by God as still proclaiming himself as a God or exalting himself despite these plagues. Uh, We see here that God destroys all living things that were left in the fields. And unfortunately, this would include, you know, recorded loss of life to those uh, slaves uh, who the servants owned, who left their, their slaves and their livestock in the field. Uh, We'll get to this. Only in the land of Goshen was no hail falling. And we see this from time and time again. Again, that distinction, right? That deliverance, that actually, that that word could be uh, uh, translated deliverance when it says God divided, okay? He delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians in, in terms of enduring these plagues. It all the way up into the Passover where you see God allows them, uh, God allows and and gives and provides, not just allows, he provides, um, uh, you know, Passover, right? The blood over the archway. Uh, we I don't get into studying that. That's, that's um, you know, another uh, whole Sunday just talking about the Passover. Uh, but you know, God provides and he provides a way out and he uh, has provided for his people here to not have to endure the hail. Uh, we again see uh, this hardening in verse 34. I don't think we uh, we quite got to it here. Um, so we'll flip over to verse 34. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart. He and his servants. So again, those servants who left their people out in the fields, uh, left uh, the hail to destroy all of the grain crop uh, that was that was there. Okay, maybe some others were preserved because they weren't in season yet. We see that, but we'll see the Lord takes care of that in the next plague. But you know, everything's been destroyed, and he and his servants still harden their hearts, their collective hearts against the Lord. Um, this is the a different Hebrew word called um, kabad, and I'm going to flip to that as well in my um, Hebrew um, uh, concordance here, dictionary. Uh, if I can uh, find it real quick here, we will take a look at that. Uh, let's see. Okay. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay, so this is a different word, which really means, uh, it's the primitive root, which means to be heavy, um, to make weighty, abounding uh, or boastfulness or a burden, um, 
to harden, um, to be laden, uh, to load. Uh, so it really means as a verb, which means to weigh heavily or to be heavy, to be honored. Okay. So, uh, you know, another translation that I heard from, um, a, a Jewish, uh, scholar, uh, many of you might know, um, Prager university. So Dennis Prager, uh, has an interesting commentary where he says that this word here, uh, it could read that he sinned yet again and honored his heart, right? Again, talking about he had made this decision and he honored or he he had this heavy heart again that he was going to have the resolve to uh, to persecute and to oppress the Israelite people and not be, uh, not give in to, you know, the Lord's calling, really, to not heed the Lord's calling to let his people go. Ironically, it's the same word that is used uh, in the Ten Commandments where it says to honor your father and mother, right? It's to hold heavy uh, or to uh, to hold them in, in this, this um, reverent position, which is a, a heavy, to think of them in a, in a heavy sense. And those of you who, who understand honor like uh, Maybe it's not your parents, uh, although you are called to honor your mother and father. But, you know, think of like a, a war veteran who's come home and the weight that we hold those people up because of their valor. That's the that's, that's the word, right? To honor them, to 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 behold them uh, and hold them in a place of honor. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people of Israel go just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Uh, we get to locusts here. Uh, I'm just going to uh, go through my notes uh, so that we can get through this a little bit uh, quicker. <laughs> Again, maybe I should have had three sermons on all of these, but uh, we're going to see here uh, in verse 7, the servants finally seem to be growing weary and begin to question Pharaoh, which the idea of even questioning Pharaoh in this time, Pharaoh was seen as a god himself uh, ruling uh, from his throne. Um and so to even have his servants begin to question Pharaoh, uh, they were taking their life in their hand by even posing this question to him. So I want to read that. Um, verse 7. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Now, if you're saying that to Pharaoh, um, you are at risk of being, <laughs> those being your final words. Um, and here we see that uh, Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? And this becomes very, very interesting, and I want to spend a little bit of time here. Pharaoh's saying, yeah, you guys can go. Who's going exactly? <laughs> it's not like he hasn't heard Moses and Aaron. Uh, you know, you'd think maybe that would have been one of your first questions. You first hear Moses and Aaron come and say, you know, let my people go. Well, well, who? Who, who wants to leave? You know, it seems like it'd be a logical first question. Uh, is that like you guys want to go? Okay, yeah, you guys can go or, or let my people go. Who, what does that mean? Here we see Pharaoh finally asking a question, at least, of like, well, which ones are going to go, right? Like, yeah, sure, you guys can go. Um, you know, he says, go serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? Verse 9, uh, chapter 10, verse 9. Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. 
I love that. Moses is saying all of us and our flocks and our herds, because those belong to the Lord. Those are set apart for sacrifices. We're going to hold a feast uh, upon this deliverance from the the rule of the tyrant Pharaoh. And so, you know, you're not just getting rid of a couple of us. All of us are going and in especially our young ones, right? Verse 10, you know, here we go, Pharaoh. But he said to them, the Lord be with you. If ever I let you and your little ones go. I don't know what the Pharaoh had against little ones. He's, he's tried to kill them all uh, by throwing them into the Nile. He obviously uh, has, you know, a, a a sick mind, I think, of just like, nah, these little ones, these little ones can grow into bigger ones that can then serve me again. And, and maybe I can really manipulate them when they're young and they'll, they won't even know about your God or know about, um, you know, this history here. So maybe I can, I can fracture your people right down the line and disassociate them from your heritage. Uh, amen. Have we heard or seen any of that in America or in our current cultures, not just America, but around the world today, where there's this fracturing of the great, the greatest generation and traditional uh, values and, and upbringing and history. And we see this wedge trying to be divided between, okay, yeah, but those uh, boomer, right? We hear that a lot. Oh, you're okay. Okay. Boomer, right? Like, okay, yeah, but that's not for today's world. So just go on, live the rest of yours. We're starting something different here. Uh, No, 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 no. You're not going to divide us. We are going to preserve what we believe to be true, what we know to be true. And we are going to pass on our, um, our values and the word of God and being God's chosen people. Hebrew or Israel, uh, means the one who wrestles with God, right? So we we are going to wrestle with God, but we're going to convey our heritage and preserve our heritage with our children. You're not getting rid of us. But Pharaoh wants to do that. All right, off my other soapbox. Uh, verse 11, he says, No, go, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Pretty sure Moses made himself fairly clear, like, no, we're not going. And here we have Pharaoh saying, no, 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 like you, you go, you men go, right? That's really what you're asking. Again, another attempt by a tyrant to eliminate men from the equation. I just want to settle there for a little bit, right? We send our men to war. We send men to battle. Uh, Men are often the ones doing the most dangerous jobs, right? Upholding uh, a culture we make no bones about it here on, on this podcast that, that men are valued for, for all of the good qualities that men provide. And we provide stability and, and, and so much more. And, and women provide great, great service in other areas that men are terrible at. <laughs> um, and it's complementary. And we need both. And we're not all trying to just mesh and be one bleh, you know, of, of just, you know, everybody just be nice, right? We have specific qualities that make men, men and make what great men are be great. And we have great women and women do what great women do. And, and men aren't trying to be women and women aren't trying to be men. Hello. Amen. So I just want to, um, 
show Hugh here that even as far back as as Pharaoh, he's trying to push out the men so that he can just get to the women and children and 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 control them. Moses isn't buying it. Uh, so the Lord said to Moses, "Hey, he's not letting all of you go. Uh, stretch out your hand over the hand over the land of Egypt." for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. The Lord is merciful. He is still going all the way through these plagues, giving every opportunity to Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh had enough land and enough uh, grain and, and um, you know plant matter left to, to make bread or, or to survive from the hail, right? The hail could have wiped out everything, but he did it in a season where uh, the hail wasn't going to wipe out everything. Pharaoh still had a chance to make a change and still have sustenance for his people and to uh, to get through, you know, the uh, the the dormant season and have food. He didn't have to leave anything with the hail, but he did. But then Pharaoh hardens his heart again, and so we see that the locusts come this time and wipe out all that the hail had left. When it was morning, or I'm sorry, so Moses um, stretched out his staff over the land, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all the day and all the night. When it was morning and the east wind had brought the locusts, the locusts came up over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been seen before and or ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened, and they ate the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees and the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against you, your God, and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once and plead with the Lord, your God, only to remove this death from me. That's, a, that's some good words there, Pharaoh. You going to hold hold up on that? We'll find out if you're uh, following along. I think you already know the answer. <coughs> Excuse me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. Here we have it, though. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. How often is that true for us when we have that moment of respite? We pray for deliverance from something. <clears throat> we're we're on our knees. We we really want it. Um, you know, you hear the prayers, God, if you just if you just take this from me, I'll never sin again. And uh it's removed, and suddenly we find ourselves sinning again. Right? It's right here, right? Pharaoh in the moment is saying, just take it from me, take it from me. Yes, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned. Uh, your God is great. Go, go, go. And uh, once <laughs> once it's gone, right, once we're through the storm, um, how quickly we can just uh, fall right back into that sinfulness. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. I'm going to take a drink. Uh, we got one more plague here to cover real quick. If you're holding with me, you're a real one. Thank you. Thank you for listening um, this this far. The final uh, plague before the Passover is uh, the plague of darkness. It's a short plague. 
Um, we see here that uh, the Lord says to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. A darkness to be felt. That kind of rung with me, right? Like a darkness to be felt, right? Um, that heavy darkness. I, I almost wonder if it's like this this darkness of depression that that some people just get this this burden where they're just they're blinded to to light, right? They they shut up the windows and they just sit in that dark dark place. I don't know, but that that phrase there makes me think that this is a this is a weighty darkness. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel, <laughs> I love this, had light where they lived. How many of you, if you are a Christian, you know that even in this dark world, um, as dark as it can be sometimes, you have the light. You have the light of Jesus within you. And when you have the light, it doesn't matter if there's darkness. Um, you know, my, my uh, uncle's verse for when he lost his son tragically is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. Um, you know, right here, we see the light shining in the darkness on God's people. Uh, they didn't have to feel this weight of darkness, right? They had light um, and they were able to to just worship in that, right? Um, you know, for the for the three days, you know, it must have been a small glimpse of what this uh, uh, being called into the wilderness or being redeemed and delivered could be, right? Because you know the Egyptian, um, you know, slave drivers are not out there cracking the whip and and driving these, uh, you know, these commands and, and this hard and labor and work. Um, because they, they, they can't, right They're, They didn't see anyone, which means they didn't see their slaves. So this was three days of just a glimpse of what's to come when they do get out into the wilderness and can, uh, be, you know, there to serve the Lord, their God. It must've been great for them. However, um, Pharaoh calls Moses and says, go serve the Lord um, you know, your little ones also may go with you. Here he's saying, okay, yeah, all of you can go. Uh, except <laughs> I still want to be in control somehow. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. If uh, you're listening to this, and this is the first time you're hearing about the plagues, that's a, that's a cliffhanger <laughs> right there, right? Uh, you know, Pharaoh saying to Moses, after all of these uh, plagues and everything, don't you dare come back here again and see me again. Don't see my face again. I, I'll kill you. That's what he's saying. You know, you'll, you see my face, you know, on the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses kind of barking back saying, as you say, 
yeah, I will not see your face again. Um, it's powerful stuff, right? Uh, he's, you know, there, there's more coming, right? And if you just stopped reading there, you'd be like, well, what happened? Right. Thankfully, we have uh, the text here to continue on. But this has been um, probably two sermons worth uh, of content here, and I've rambled a little bit. I just want to leave you with this. Engage with this text here this week. I want you to think about the lessons of the Pharaoh or possibly even just see the Pharaohs, you know, ourselves in our own hearts. What are some areas that you've hardened your heart or you've made your will and, and you've really set it upon upon yourself to just take, right? Whether that's with a relationship, I've, I've set my will to be bitter against this person because they've wronged me. Forgive, right? Let that go. Don't, don't harden your heart, right? Open the eye, open your eyes, let the scales fall off your eyes so that you can see with the heart uh, of Jesus, right? With the heart of the Lord that, that we may, we need to serve him. And if we serve him, we know him or in order to serve him, we must know him. And in order to know him, we must read and seek him. So seek him this week um, to to just remove the scales off your own eyes, to see areas of your life where you've hardened yourself against the Lord and against his will, um, so that we may better serve our Lord and Savior and our God and our King. Amen. Make it a great week. We'll see you next week on the next episode. Thanks for listening.